And uh, thank you to uh, the praise team. What a great song to remind us of who we are in Christ. And that one day, Christ, are you looking forward to Christ returning? Are you excited when God's going to set all things new? And uh, no more suffering, no more pain, no more hurts, no more loss. And we will forever be in the presence of Jesus. Isn't that going to be a great day? And I want to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter number one, all right? Philippians chapter one, and then you may also uh, bookmark or find Psalm 23. We're going to be in both of those for in just a moment. If you are new, as Stephanie already mentioned, welcome today. My name is John, and I am blessed to serve as the pastor here. And we are starting our new Christmas series entitled Joy to the world. I want to make sure you remember and you show up for our Christmas Eve service. You'll see around the banisters there, there are some invite cards. I, I'm not sure, you know, they look like a little Christmas tree, but it makes me think of a, a cookie, and so it makes me hungry. But anyways, it, we are going to have cookies and milk at 4.30 on Christmas Eve uh, in the atrium, but then we'll have a service together at 5 o'clock on the 24th. So make sure to grab a couple of those, invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Maybe if your family doesn't go to church. But today we're talking about joy, and we're going to be talking about this the next few weeks. And we're going to kind of just walk through the book of Philippians. And so we're going to give you a, a high view of the book of Philippians. Uh, and so before we get into the book, let me just kind of give you a little bit of background information that maybe will help you better understand as we walk through this. So the book of Philippians was written to a church, all right? The church was located in Philippi. Now, the author was the Apostle Paul. And if you remember, the Apostle Paul was not always a follower of Jesus. In fact, uh, he had uh, been commissioned to imprison, to persecute, and to even kill followers of Jesus. When God drastically and dramatically changed his life, and, and, and the truth is, no matter what our background was before Christ, when we met Christ, he drastically changed our life. In fact, the Bible says he made us a new creation. And so Paul drastically changed, and now Paul went from the one who was doing the persecuting to the one who was being persecuted because he was bold in his faith for Jesus. And so Paul is the author of it. He's writing to the church at Philippi. And when he's writing this... Uh, ten years prior, so most people would date the book, this letter, at about AD, 60, AD 61. About ten years prior to that, around AD 51, Paul had landed at the city of Philippi. And if you read the story in the Acts 16, many have termed that as this Macedonian call. Like he felt called by God to go to Philippi. And upon arriving at Philippi, he has a conversation with a, a lady named Lydia. He gives her the gospel, that if she would place her faith in Jesus, she could have forgiveness of sins, eternal life in heaven. For God so loved the world, right? He tells her that. She responds to the gospel, then she gets baptized. Then it says that her whole family responded to the gospel, and they were baptized. So many people were getting saved in the city that the religious people didn't like it. So they had Paul and Silas arrested. And remember, Paul, if you know the story, Paul and Silas were in jail. They were so miserable in jail that they were sitting and sulking and pouting. Is that the story? What were they doing? 
They were praising the Lord, songs. They were worshiping through song. And an earthquake came, the prison doors opened up, and they could escape. Uh, the Roman jailer was about to kill himself because by Roman law, if he were to lose prisoners, they were going to kill him anyways. Paul somehow talks everybody to stay put, and then he gives the jailer the gospel. That if you place your faith in Jesus, you can have eternal life and a home in heaven, forgiveness of sins, and a new creation. The jailer gives his life to Christ, goes home, they tell the entire home, and all respond to the gospel, and they are baptized. And it seemingly then, from those two stories, Paul launches the first church in Europe, and it's the church at Philippi. And it's, I think, significant that God chooses that a woman is the first one to believe and a non-Jew is the first one that we read about to believe. And this lady and non-Jew, Paul uses to start the church at Philippi. So Paul, 10 years later now, in prison, uh, is writing back to the church and he's really just wanting to be an encouragement to them. He's wanting to thank them for their generosity and their faithfulness because as we read, the church was faithful to give to Paul so that he could go on missionary journeys and so he could lead more people to find and follow Jesus. One of the themes that comes out of this book, though, is what you see on the screen, joy to the world. What Paul, when we think about the circumstances, Paul is in prison for claiming Jesus, for telling people about Jesus. And yet what we see in this book is that Paul, even in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, what is it? Rejoice. And so when we think about joy to the world, one of the first words or thoughts that comes to my mind is this idea of, of happiness. But happiness and joy are different. Because happiness is dependent on my circumstances or my conditions. Mostly it's conditional on my external conditions. But joy is not dependent on my circumstances. Joy is a reaction to internal circumstances or conditions. And the internal circumstances or conditions really is that I have Christ in me. When you read the book of Philippians, you'll see Christ, Jesus Christ, over and over and over again. That joy is found in Jesus. Okay? That's the basic sermon, so maybe we could just go home now, right? <laughs> joy is found in Jesus. Now, I want to look at Psalm 23, mainly because we, did a, we looked at it last week, and I think it kind of ties into this week as well. And you, if you remember, and maybe you weren't here last week, but we talked about, we were in Psalm 139, we ended up going briefly to Psalm 23, but we made this statement that theology is important. Because what we believe about God and who God is and how God interacts with us determines our direction and our steps and our behavior, our theology, our philosophy, everything. And so doctrine is important. And we looked in Psalm 139 last week that we saw that came to the top of that was that God is omnipresent, that he's in all places at all times. We also said that God is omniscient, that God knows all all things. We also talked about the fact that God is omnipotent, that God is all-powerful. So if we believe that God is all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's omnipresent, and he is all-wise, and that he's good, and that he's just, and that he's holy, 
it, it, it kind of gives us a different perspective on life, doesn't it? We looked at Psalm 23 last week, and we, we kind of focused on verse 4. But let's just take a moment to read the entire chapter here. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Okay, again, this is, we, we uh, do everything for the glory of God. That's what the statement there. And then verse 4, which we looked at last week. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Again, we were talking about that God is omnipresent, that he's always present with us because he's, as a follower of Jesus, he is in us. And then look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for a few days. Forever. That's what Stephen was talking about. That's the song we just sang about. Now, in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Now, oil in Scripture a lot of times would represent the Holy Spirit. But in Jewish and Hebrew culture, it can also represent rejoicing or even the idea of blessing. So when the psalmist David is saying, you anoint my head with blessings, you anoint my, help, my head with joy, and then he says, my cup does what? Runs over. I believe that what we see in Scripture is that God wants us as followers of Jesus to be joy-filled Christians. That, that he wants us to be filled with the joy of Jesus. Again, so the like, summary of the whole sermon, right? Joy is found in Jesus. It's like Jesus in me. So I want to just illustrate this for a moment, all right? Some of you have already heard that I made a big mess in first service. How many of you heard of that already? Okay, a bunch of rat people ratting me out. But anyways, question, who in here likes eggnog? All right, all right. so about, about this, I'm just guessing like 40% of you. I'm guessing the rest of you don't like eggnog? I feel like you either really like it or you just despise it. Like it's a hate-love relationship, right? Is that true? So... I am team, I hate eggnog, all right? Just like it's so thick, like it just looks nasty to me. All right, enough about eggnog. All right, so, but if I fill this cup really, really full, and I'm, I don't want to fill it as much as I did the first service. I made such a mess. Now, if you were to bump me, because it is still pretty full, what, what would happen if you bumped me right now? I'd spill eggnog. And then if I ask you the question, or you ask me the question, oh, why did you spill the eggnog? What would the answer be? No, it's because there's eggnog in there. <clears throat> it's because there's eggnog in here. Now, if, what's the point here? I'm successful, so I'm just putting it down, all right? I spilled it everywhere, and first it was all over me. Anyways, if God wants us to be filled with joy and our cup running over, why do you suppose that is? Because when, when life bumps us, what's in us is going to spill out of us. That's, the scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, man 
speaks. And so Jesus wants us to be filled with joy, Jesus, so that when life gets difficult, when we get bumped, what comes out of us is joy. Because we're, we're supposed to be the joy to the world. Because Jesus is the joy to the world. All right, so let, let's go back to our, our text. And we're going we're gonna to take time this morning to read the entire chapter of Philippians. So I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me, all right? So would you stand as we read uh, the 30 verses of Philippians? And we're going to, as we walk through this, we're going to talk about how can we find joy or three truths to finding joy. All right, number one, uh, verse number one, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Again, you may notice how many times I use the word Christ in here because it's, it's a Christ-centered book. That's where our joy comes from. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with, what's the word? Joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just it is right for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains, and much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I, what? Yes, and will, what? Rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through the, your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, being confident of this. I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, 
and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity we have just to walk through this letter uh, that reminds us, Lord, that we can find joy in Jesus and in the work of Jesus. I pray that you would bless our time and that we would respond according to what you revealed to us today. It is in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you may be seated this morning, and so three things I want to just point out, three ways, three truths, really, about finding joy. Finding joy in spite of our circumstances, because the reality is you can be unhappy and still be joyful, right? Because joy is dependent on Jesus in me. It's not dependent on my circumstances outside of me. Because if, if our joy is based on our circumstances or our conditions externally, wow, it's going to be a roller coaster ride, isn't it? And, and our joy is going to be contingent, again, on our circumstances. Like, just a quick way to illustrate that. This morning, you know, we, we meet as a staff at 8 o'clock to pray. On our staff, do you realize, Carlos, our student pastor, he is a diehard Michigan Wolverines football fan. Guess what? This morning, he's really happy. Also, in the same room this morning, Pastor Matt, our administrative pastor, he is a diehard Georgia Bulldogs fan. And guess what? I'm not very happy. But we can still have joy, can't we? How can we find joy? The first one is this, and it's found in the first verse. We have to acknowledge or realize the truth here is that you are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. Okay, you belong to God, and because you belong to God, you belong to a greater purpose. That life is much more than life. It's not about just gathering and, and having things, the things that may or may not make us happy. In fact, Paul speaks a little more to this in, in 1 Corinthians. If you want to just turn back a few pages, 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verse 19 and 20, and it says this, Do you not know that the, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And he says it right here. You are not your own. And why are you not your own? Well, it says, LaRue says, Scripture says, you are bought at a price. What was the price that was paid for you? Jesus sacrificed his life. It was an exchange. You couldn't get to God on your own. Jesus said, I'll take their place. And there was the at Christmas, we think, the greatest gift exchange, right? Jesus gave me life, eternal life. You are not your own. You're bought with the price. Therefore, because you are not your own, he says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You can turn back a few more pages in, in Romans chapter number 6. Uh, back in Romans, again, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and verse 20 and, and 21 but indeed, O men, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to the, him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have the power over the clay, from the lump of clay to make one vessel for honor and another for 
dishonor? If, if we're going to find truth, uh, find joy, we have to first acknowledge, I belong to God. You're not your own. And, and that's why Paul would, would write, daily I take up my cross and I follow Jesus. Daily I surrender. The word bondservant. Like what Paul is saying is, I have chosen to be a slave to Christ. And the truth is this morning that every one of us are a slave to someone or something. But we are a slave to whatever we choose. And so what Paul is saying, if, if we're going to find joy, let's, let's choose to be a slave to Christ. Because joy is not found in things, it's found in Jesus, Jesus and me. That's the first truth. The second truth is God is working in you. I'm thankful that God does the work in me because the reality is if I'm left to my own willpower, my own desires, and my own like, well, I'm going to stick to it, guess what? I'm going to fail every time. And in Philippians 1 verse 6, what did Paul say? I am confident. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you he will complete it, or he will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. What's the work he began in you? It's salvation. The, the reality is there's, there's an assumption in this passage, okay? Because Paul is writing to a church. He's writing to believers. There's also assumption with me teaching Philippians chapter 1 this morning because I'm teaching this in the context of a church to majority followers of Jesus. But the reality is that maybe this morning, what you need to know is that God can't do a work in you until you've allowed him to do a work on you, right, and for you. And, and what did Paul write in Ephesians chapter 2? He said, for by grace you are saved. It's through faith, not of works. It's a gift of God, lest any man should be prideful or boast. So what you need to know this morning is if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never placed your faith of heaven and eternity and forgiveness of sins in the work of Jesus Christ, the reality is you will never find joy. Because joy cannot be found outside of Jesus. And so what I would encourage you, if you never place your faith in Jesus, at, at the close of the service, we're gonna, we'll end the service with the time of, of worship through song. I'll, I'll be right here standing by the pew here. Come talk to me if you'd like to. Or after church, I'll be standing in the foyer. If you want to find Jesus, the words that we sang this morning is that even as a baby, he was looking, he was searching for you. And even today, as you sit in the room, if you've never given your life to Jesus, he is searching for you. And so if you want to know for sure, I'll, I'll be in the back after church. I'll be right here during the last song. But Paul is saying, again, the assumption, as a follower of Jesus, God is doing a work in you. Let's, let's kind of see, I think the few verses here point out to us, what is God's work in us? What does that produce? Look at verse number 9. Paul is praying. He says, this I pray again for the church. For a body of believers, just like is gathered right here this morning, I'm praying that your love may abound still more and more, that you're going to grow in your love of who God is, and you're going to love, grow in your love for God, and you're going to grow in your love for those who don't know Jesus. 
that there be more knowledge in all discernment, that you're going to be in the Word, that you're going to grow in the knowledge of who God is, that you may approve all the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere. That's sometimes difficult to find in a church, but we'll move on. Without offense, that on the day of Jesus Christ be filled, that you'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. It's God working in you to produce the fruits of righteousness in you. Why? To the glory and praise of God, he says there in verse 11. I think you can kind of see a continuation of that if you look at verse number 27. Paul says, let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, you are a new creation. And so if you are a new creation, you are a follower of Jesus, then Paul is saying, well, you ought to act like it. When people bump you, what's going to come out of you? Hopefully joy, that you'll be filled with the gospel. You will live worthy of the gospel. So whether I come and see you or absent, I may, bear, I may hear of your affairs. And then it says that you stand, stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So what is, what is Paul saying here? If, if God is doing the work in us, that we're allowing God to work in us, okay, so like this theological term would be like the process of sanctification, that I'm becoming more like Christ every day. How do I do that? Every day I deny myself and I take my cross and I follow him and I get into his word and I study. I'm around other believers. But he says here, steadfast in one spirit with one mind, striving together in the faith of the gospel. Do you, do you realize this morning that we all come into this room with different ideas and thoughts and personalities? And that may shock you, I know. But Paul says if we are growing in Christ, we're allowing God to do the work in us, that we will gather together in unity for the sake of the gospel. And I'm thankful for, for a church like Hallmark that has done that faithfully all these years. That we come together in unity for the sake of the gospel. Uh, you can turn also probably one page over. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Verse 14. You may like to skip over this, but it says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom, why would we come and gather in unity? So we could shine as lights in the world. So that let's, let's contextualize this beyond just me. And I'm, I'm this cup of eggnog, and when I get bumped, I'm spilling it out. But that could also be illustrated of, as a church. That when a church goes through ups and downs or struggles or COVID or whatever you want to name, that when we get bumped as a church, what comes out of us as a church? The joy of Christ hopefully. Why? And, and that's what he says, so that the light would shine to a lost world. And what unites us is Christ in us. And then the, the third truth here, that kind of walk into this, the third truth is God is working through you. You see, I have to first realize that I'm not my own. I don't belong to myself. It's not about me. And oh, how I wish it was about me. Don't you guys? Don't you wish it was always about you? Everybody did it like you wanted to be done. I do. It's not about me. 
I live my life to the glory of God. Let me rephrase that. I should live my life to the glory of God. I'm, I'm not my own. I need to open myself up. God, I admit this morning and tomorrow morning and Tuesday morning that I need you to continue working in me because I've, I've got issues. I've got problems. And God, I want you to work in me so that, number three, God, you can work through me. And look what Paul says in, in verse number 12. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Remember the context in which Paul is writing this. Imprisoned in Rome. He says, listen, listen, church. I'm okay with being in prison because God is using my story for his glory. He says more people have come and, and more people are finding Jesus. Like the guards have found Jesus. Then it uses his word and all the rest. I take that to mean and even the prisoners are finding Jesus. And then he says another product or byproduct of me being in prison and me having courage and me having joy in spite of my circumstances is that other believers have more courage to tell people about Jesus. Like when, when Paul, what Paul is saying is people observed his life that in spite of difficulty, he still could find joy in the circumstances that it gave other believers boldness and confidence to share Jesus with other people who don't know Jesus. I think when we talk in Hebrews, it says, forsake not the assembly of yourself, like show up to church. And it says one of the benefits of you showing up for church is that you are going to encourage someone else that has showed up for church. In other words, you just showing up this morning, you're an encouragement to someone else today. Just being in your place and faithfully serving. Choosing to be here this morning, because there's a lot of other things we could choose to do this morning, isn't there? And Paul says that even in my circumstances, I am finding joy, and in my circumstances, people are finding boldness and courage to preach Jesus. So Paul says... I can have peace in prison because more people are going to find and follow Jesus. God is working through you. God is working in you. And we must acknowledge we are not our own. You know, I'm thankful at this church. You know, we are a, uh, a multi, multi-generational church, aren't we? We have a lot of young babies and young couples and we have some people that are not so young. Like, and and I am, I'm thankful for faithful people. Like when I look back there and I, I see, you know, John Martin, he turned 97 last week. Yeah, we can give him a hand. And every, every time I see him on Sunday morning, one of the first ones here, he sits over uh, in the... It doesn't matter. We rearrange that atrium so many times, and he just finds a place. But right now his place is the small table right by the door that goes into the chapel. And every Sunday morning he's writing notes to people who couldn't make it today. That's faithfulness. He mails them information so they know what's going on. Isn't that awesome? I'm, I'm thankful that there's a lot of people like that in this church that have chosen to to stay and do what God has called them to do in spite of maybe things are different than they used to be, right? But today, I want to share a video with you of a, another great saint of this church. 
And, and Pansy Weesey, she just turned 92 just like a few days, I think it was one day before John Martin turned 97. And a few, um, uh, last month, our ladies had a conference called Choose Joy, right? And they asked Pansy, my wife asked Pansy if she would give her testimony because the reality is, uh, if you've lived that long, life has not always been exactly how you want it to be. And Pansy has gone through some things. But in spite of those things, she finds joy because joy is in a person, Jesus. And what I want you to hear, so yesterday I called Miss Pansy and I just asked her, I, I know she had already given permission for the ladies to watch her video, but I, I called her and said, hey, Pansy, could, could we show that video to the whole church? And she's like, I don't know why anyone would want to watch it, you know, kind of just real humble response. But then here's what she said. She said, if God can use my story, then sure you can show it. That's a person who chooses to find joy because God is working in them and through them. So I want you to watch the video. I was saved when I was 17 years old. I came up here to Fort Worth, a country girl, to uh, work at Montgomery Ward. And I uh, met a girl and we shared a room together. And she went to church and she's the one that caused me, uh, uh, showed me and told me where I was, that I needed to be saved. Been a member of Hallmark since uh, uh, 1965. And uh, the hardest time we had, and we found more joy. That was when we lost our little girl, Pam. She was killed. It was an accident. Uh, the girl couldn't see my Pam, and Pam couldn't see the car because the ice cream truck was parked. And this girl lived down the street. She was 16 years old, and she's had a tough time all through her life. Uh, what She hit Pam and knocked her from one driveway to the next one. You know, I went out and I could not leave my baby out there in the street. I picked her up. So I laid her on the floor. We went to the ambulance and they called Carl. He was barbering then over in Polly and he came in to the hospital and as he got there, the doctor was telling me that there was no hope. So they did the surgery, but it didn't help. So the next morning she passed away. And, uh, but it, uh, food, people, there wasn't standing room in our house. And we had her service at Hallmark. This was the beginning of our, we joined in 65 and uh, in January and in May was when Pam was killed. And I felt the prayers of people, but you know, we went to church. We knew what to do. We knew we should be tithing. We knew we should be going faithfully at all the services. 
And so we started serving the Lord then, full time there. And we just knew, we looked forward to Wednesday nights, service to hear the Word of God. It was joy in it. You won't know until you've gone through something like that. It's a peace that only God can give. There were times after Pam was killed and Carl had been, he'd gotten laid off and we really didn't know how we were going to keep on. We had given to missions, but missions was our heart and we give and we didn't, Carl had gotten laid off and he come up to me and we were through in with the, the conference and he come up to me and he, we wrote down how much we thought we could give more. And he told me the amount and I said, how we going to give? You're unemployed and I'm working. I worked at Alcon. I hope that picture doesn't show my mouth open. <laughs> but anyway, and do you know that the number, we were just always, it was there. It's always been there to give to the church. We give to missions and, and uh, then our son was saved in Hallmark. And uh, he also surrendered to go to the mission field, to go to the Philippines. And he has been very faithful. First place he's serving the Lord. And I'd like to say something about all my family. All my immediate family is saved and going to church serving God. And that's such a big blessing. And so you just never stop serving God. You're not too old to serve. And so Carl and I served and he went on. I didn't, I didn't really know how I could keep on giving, but you know, God supplied. It's amazing how he supplied for me to live and do the things that we, he and I did together when we had both incomes and uh, you know you just can't can't outdo God he says he'll supply all your need and he has a lot of people were saved during that and that helped us to see why we knew that actually it wasn't the girl's fault it wasn't Pam's fault God wanted her home and we knew that we both felt it, and we it's, it's a peace that only God can give. Just trust God. He's the one that, that's in charge, and He'll give you peace and can work it out the way that He would like it. Never, never just give up and uh, just keep serving God. Be faithful, even though sometimes you you don't know why you're going, but you are. You do know why you're going. God always puts it there. Well, wasn't that encouraging this morning? I just thought Pansy's sitting there on the back row. Could we just give her a hand this morning? Thank you, Pansy. And. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to stand. Would you stand with me this morning? And I, I think of that last, or in verse 21. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. And what Pansy said is sometimes the peace of God, you can't explain it, but you just gotta trust. And if we're gonna find joy, we have to make a decision. I don't belong to myself, I'm, I belong to God. I'm gonna ask him to do the work in me so he can do a work through me.